Hello, world, and welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. I'm Steven. And this is Dakota. And what a world we live in. A world where we are five months into the year, and we've already had, what, four major comic book movies? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh... (laughs) And they've all done pretty decent bank. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, some people would argue that Batman v Superman, but it's still a pretty good bank. Yeah. I think the real winner uh, by the end of the year, though, is probably going to be Deadpool, though. I think just in terms of budget to gross, yeah. Because what, that movie was made for like a fraction of what the movie we're going to be talking about tonight was. Yeah, it was only $60 million. Yeah. The movie, Wait. the movie we were talking about tonight was made for, well, geez, I don't even remember, 160 or 70 million or yeah. something. Yeah. I have a feeling that a large amount of that movie was just based off the uh, Quicksilver scene, Quicksilver mansion scene. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so tonight we're going to be talking about um, the new X Men movie, X Men colon Apocalypse. Not Age of Apocalypse, because Age of Ultron ruined that. Uh, X-Men, Age of Apocalypse, but not really. Um, So, Toad, I had asked you this. Do you you have some knowledge of the comic book this is based off of? Yeah. I know um, they had to take a lot of liberties just because the movie universe is quite a bit different than the comic book universe. So, obviously, but is the basic story thread plot? similar ish no oh it's just totally yeah okay just wiping the board using the name <laughs> yeah. okay um just to kind of give you guys some backstory i'm not really spoiling anything about is this the movie? movie here no this is comic okay this is comic so he's not spoiling the movie yeah the comic took place in this alternate reality where charles xavier was dead magneto was um the head of the x-men he was married to uh g no rogue and they had somehow had a child together. Um, and most of your favorite... Which, why he says somehow, I think, is the fact that Rogue can't have contact skin to skin. Yeah. But, Maybe it's uh, like an AI type thing. Yeah. <laughs> most most of our favorite X-Men were dead. It's getting weird. And our, our really favorite X-Men were actually the Four Horsemen to Apocalypse. Our really favorite... <laughs> I'm referring to Wolverine. He uh, he was war, I believe. War or death, I can't remember. But, Probably uh, I th- war. Yeah, that'd you would think. Assum- that'd be my assumption. Hey, he could have been war and death. Ooh. Yeah, because the four horsemen are are uh, they're they're always labeled under like war, pestilence, uh, disease, and death, isn't it? Disease and yeah, death or drought. Or you think yeah. death would? Yeah, it's death. It's you think death. death would just? They would all just be death. Yeah. But no, you can be pestilent without death. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this movie basically just used the character of Apocalypse and how he picks for special people, aka mutants, to be his horsemen. Would be more or less the main thing this movie used from the comic. Yeah. Because the, uh, in the movie, obviously, you all know Charles is not dead. <laughs> and it's taking place in the world of the 80s. 
and 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 we're in the same movie timeline. This isn't an alternate history movie either. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Days of Future, we kind of are in an alternate. Well, that's interesting. We are in an alternate timeline, I guess, technically, because Days of Future Past reset everything. Yeah. So, and there you go. It definitely reset a couple X-Men movies with that one. Yeah, not a, Not a lot of crowd pleasers. Okay, and this isn't a spoiler, <laughs> but in this movie, they... In I mean, like openly, blatantly, uh, rip on X Men Three. <laughs> yeah. They're talking about a third movie in a trilogy, and then they joke like, "Well, you know, the third movie's never good." <laughs> and I was like, "Did they just say that?" Oh god, that was funny. Yeah, and and to kind of just, I don't know if this is a spoiler. We talked about it, but uh, the X Men Origins Wolverine movie, they kind of redid that too in this movie, even though it's just a few minutes yeah but they kind of retold his story to kind of just let us all know that this isn't this isn't what we've already seen yeah so basically the 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 plot of this movie is is it goes back and if you stuck around for the teaser after the credits of days of future past they tease that it was going this movie would be apocalypse they showed this little blue kid not a smurf moving things and building a pyramid by moving things and everybody was uh bowing to him and then off in the distance and you see like kind of a blurry four horsemen and so kind of all those things put together where everybody's like oh my gosh it's gonna be apocalypse the next movie well sure enough and they go yep apocalypse and so this movie is setting up who apocalypse is what happened to him in the meantime and how he came in you know, back into the picture in 1980s world, I would say America, but it's world because he's this this movie is very global, <laughs> and so uh, and so it's kind of it's still you're coming back into everybody's lives now ten years after the last movie, so you're seeing where Charles is with trying to. Uh, get this school for gifted youngsters going where Eric is where where Mystique is since the events of the last movie which is uh, Eric making his big speech in front of Nixon and Nixon's cabinet to the world about we're here and you know um, and so Eric Eric's storyline starts with him kind of basically off living very yeah. very under like under the radar, you know, because he's he's a wanted man because of what happened in Days of Future Past. Surprisingly, though, he actually seems pretty happy in this movie because he's he's working at a uh, a plant where they do something with metal. It's a metal plant, <laughs> <laughs> and he he has a nice little secluded home out in the woods with his wife and daughter. And yeah, I was a little surprised to see that. I didn't think I didn't think they'd go down that road. Well. And they what they what basically the setup of the beginning of this movie is, is that the world in certain is still coming to grips with the idea that there is mutants around, but you're seeing them maybe um, a world that's slowly maybe becoming okay with them because nothing you know nothing serious has happened for a while now, even though. There's been a few other times in the past 20 years that significant things have happened. Apparently the world is becoming eh, whatever about them, at least a little bit. You know, people are still a little. 
not sure what to think of them. And so that's that's kind of the world we we come into. And so we're introduced to uh, um, young Jubilee, young Jean Grey, young Scott Summers, aka Cyclops. Who else? Are, what are the young Nightcrawler? Yeah. And then uh, just kind of them, you know, coming into what we know will be the X Men, <laughs> more or less. You know, they'll they'll be part of the part of the X Men, but kind of where they are now. So, um, there there was a lot of jumping around in this movie. To yeah. a lot of different places around the world to pick up with everybody. How how did you feel about that, Dakota? Um, honestly, it worked well with some of them. Uh, we get introduced to Nightcrawler here uh, in this movie, and I thought that worked pretty well. Uh, Scott Summers, you kind of see how he got his his powers. Uh, that that I thought was great. Uh, the the whole thing was Storm. Problem is, um, I don't think we, uh, they really had enough time spent to just like for us to care about them. Some of them we did, but yeah, you had more time with some than others. And I think they just hoped, uh, for people who actually knew the other movies, like, well, that's your emotional tie to them is that you have those other movies that these older characters, older versions that they're in. But yeah, but, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of the ones that were lauded as, oh, they were so great in that they deserve their own movie. Jubilee, Psylocke, uh, Storm. You don't really spend that much time with them. Uh, Psylocke, especially in Jubilee, like are hardly in this movie, but people are already demanding that they get their own solo movie, which I think is funny because uh, I think after Jubilee gets knocked out, we don't even see her till the end. Jubilee isn't really that great of a mutant to really (laughs) (laughs) have be a star. I don't know. So, yeah. And my thing with, yeah, I thought the flow, you know, because sometimes when you have like boomer here, boomer there, boomer there, um, can get a little jarring, but this seemed to like the way that, um, they cut it and kind of brought you into the dialogue of each place for the most part, was fine i mean it wasn't a problem or anything what i found interesting about this movie is i don't know if they've been taking notes like fox or simon kingberg or somebody but i felt like there was more especially compared to the last few x-men movies there was more humor in this one like kind of moments of of lightness mixed with the other things going on did you notice that yeah i did i think uh I honestly want to say that that's uh, uh, kind of a backlash from Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman movies is that they were they were good, but they were just too dark at the same time. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of movie studios are trying to step away from that. Well, it became like like whoa, geez, look at everybody thought those are the greatest movies ever. We got to be like that. And then everybody did it, and it didn't work for anybody else because he did it very much in his own contained world. <laughs> Whereas now these people are trying to try it in these worlds that like it doesn't even work in because they're too big, it's too broad, it involves too many characters where it doesn't even fit. 
yeah. any of their MOs. And so it's like... And, of course, Batman vs. Superman did not help any. Yeah. Yeah, we're, and, and then what's interesting about BVS is, well, we've already gone there, is just how how Superman almost seemed even more serious than Batman <laughs> in that movie, which is yeah. pretty shocking. But um, but as far as this movie, that's the, I kind of enjoyed that. Just And I think part of that was that um, Quicksilver had a little bigger part in this movie yeah. and and he always has a tendency to make his moments a little more lighthearted but there were some other parts that didn't involve him that just helped too like uh uh Cody Smith McGee uh is it McPhee McPhee yeah he did an excellent job playing Nightcrawler yeah one uh, thing that strike really struck me about this movie there was a lot more color in it too yes everybody it's almost like the comic characters jumped out of the 80s comic yeah and i think that was the thing is like okay we're the 80s let's embrace that it's the yeah. 80s let's give it some color because if one i mean there's two things you think about the 80s is bright colors and big hair and they try to have a little bit of both those things in yeah. this movie you know and so uh don't forget shoulder pads and shoulder was... pad there were some shoulder pads in this movie too which was awesome <laughs> um and oh gal and uh, Professor X was wearing like a Don Johnson suit, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, or just remind, it was like Don Johnson esque, I should say. It wasn't necessarily one that Don Johnson specifically wore. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a wardrobe fashionista guy. But uh, yeah, that that was that was nice because especially when you go back to like X Men and X Men Two, which are the same director. Um, those are very like lighting wise, everything is like gray, black. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like silverish blue or something. It was just like they're very dull in terms of color palette. Or I remember an X two when they go into uh, Striker's base. There's a lot of ugly green everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It w- the first time I remember noticing there like it being a more colorful X Men movie was First Class, and I think it was just because you brought in Azazel. You didn't. Not every mutant was blue anymore. Yeah. You had like these different color mutants helped. Um, to I mean, well, Toad was green. Yeah, but oh boy, he was still uh, a dark. <laughs> it's almost like he uh, somebody just smeared like a camouflage makeup on his face. They didn't because <laughs> that's what they did. <laughs> they weren't really going. They didn't uh, really go for realism with him. I suppose it was uh, that was back in the day before they were getting these crazy budgets. Yeah, so what's interesting, though, is that that first X-Men movie, even though a lot of people are like, eh, about it, and uh, and it didn't have a whole lot of money thrown to it, it very much inspired the comic book movie things that we have today. I mean, that was at the beginning of it. That very much proved, oh, this can work. You know, these characters can be um, interesting. We can do stuff with them. And, in fact, Christopher Nolan... After seeing X Men, that was when it started. When the idea got planted in his mind, uh, you know, wow, this this can work. And then, of course, when he is offered Batman, he's like, "Yeah, I'd like to give that a shot." And so, those of you who think Christopher Nolan's the end all, you better think X Men. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, with this movie, um, there's a lot of performances you can really look at in this movie, just because a lot of different people. And what I noticed was that, uh. A lot of these newer or new to the characters to this world were some of the did pretty good jobs, and in fact, kind of made J Law look bad. Yeah, um, it's starting to show that she isn't that great. 
She when she gets all these other people her age around her that are really good. <laughs> she honestly isn't very charismatic. They seem to she seemed to be doing a lot of uh, dialogues in this where she was she was pre- preaching to somebody, you know, getting on the pet on the soapbox and kind of yeah, kind of a lot of soapbox talk. Yeah, yep. but it didn't really do anything for me, and I thought they were just. They they kind of focused on her more, obviously, because she's she's Jennifer Lawrence, uh, yeah, and tried to make her character bigger than she probably should have. Then she would have had to have been, yeah. Um, I definitely could have used a little less than her. Um, another one who kind of got me, Sophie Turner's uh, accents was a little, just a little off putting. Um, she would have played Jean Grey, and here's my 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 counter to that would just be that I liked Jean Grey's character development in this movie. Yeah, and so I thought the what they did with her character kind of trumped maybe the fact that here and there you could find maybe her trying to be have an American accent a little jarring, and I think a lot of people forget too that Famke Johnson had like could hardly hide her Dutch accent. And so it's always been played by a person who's kind of had a garbled American when you think about it. And so I just tried to think, I'm like, does this sound like a young Fomke Johnson? Like, I guess so, because it's kind of garbled. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what they were going for her, but uh, I didn't really really care for her accent that much. I mean, I almost would have settled for just like a watered-down version of her actual accent. She doesn't have a noticeably thick English accent, British accent as it is. So, yeah. Um, and then, um, kind of a more another up and comer, uh, Ty Sheridan played Scott Summer slash Cyclops, and uh, I thought he did a really good part job with the role. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting if or when they make more X Men to see how they handle his character. If they will make him the leader of the X Men, you know, or one of the main leads of the X-Men anyway. That'll definitely make or break his charisma. Yeah. <laughs> because I think a lot of people would contend, and I would be in there too, that James Marsden just really wasn't that charismatic in the role of Scott Summers where it's like he didn't seem like the leader. Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> like they all drew straws and Scott Summers drew the drew the short straw, so he kind of got to be <laughs> yeah. in charge. yeah. Um, and then another newcomer would be the girl who played uh, Storm in this. And I thought she was fine. I thought she did a good sp- job. She was Mohawk Storm. <laughs> she had the, the Mohawk cut. Um, Angel didn't really care for him too much. But, yeah, I'm not sure what their plan was with him. Yeah, and just, like, the performance of it. I don't know, none of it really... He was kind of a throwaway character in this movie, which I know there are fans of X-Men out there who think he probably should have had a bigger role or more important role. Yeah. But once again, this movie really, a lot of the weight of it was on in the, on the shoulders of uh, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, you know, and, and I, those guys just work. They work as young Eric and young Charles. Yeah, they do. Even though they're, we can't quite figure out the math of how they're aging, <laughs> because it's like Charles should be like 
upper 40s and Eric should be in his 50s and they still look like they're young and virile and <laughs> like mid 30s. Yeah, but, that's I think that's the problem kind of that they they put the first one back in the 60s and and now we're 20 years yeah. after that and they've barely aged. Myst- Anybody. Mystique is the only one that 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 works on, I guess, but Yeah, we could work on her, but for like just the ones that kind of supposed to age like a normal human and the literal humans <laughs> like Moira McTaggart where it's like they haven't really changed much. <laughs> um yeah, and so, I mean, uh, there were some really good new perform. Another, obviously, real major performance this movie would be Oscar Isaac's performance. A lot of you know him now. He was kind of not super well-known, and then all of a sudden, some people started knowing him because of Ex Machina, and then everybody knew him because he was Poe Dameron in Force Awakens. Even if you didn't want to know him, you knew him because everybody's talking about Star Wars. And he was Apocalypse, or... And Saba Noor <laughs> as his other name. And uh what did you think of his performance as Apocalypse, Dakota? Oh man, that's uh Honestly, I'm still trying to figure that one out. I don't know, maybe it was just the way they wrote the character, but he did a good job. I just didn't the backstory of it was kind of kind of weird. They implied that uh he says he's lived for millennia, so and he had just kept well for millennia's. Yeah, you see, I think he even pluraled it. Yeah, but they kept implying that how he got all these powers of his, where he was transferring his consciousness into another body, whereas he was still keeping the powers he had before. So he yeah, just he amassed was... all these powers. Any of you watch the show Heroes? He's kind of like Siler. Yeah, like he's stealing other powers into himself. And but not, not cutting open heads like Siler was, but yeah. in a different like, in a more alchemy mixed with mutant powers mixed with religion sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that was the other thing. This is my this is the most interesting thing I found with this movie, is how much it dabbled in religion. I just thought that was really fascinating. I guess like, um, just the fact that. Um, Apocalypse saw himself as the the god who ne- who should rule over the world, and now that he's back, he needed to purify the world for his worshippers, and you know for everyone who's still alive yeah. needed or needed to be worshiping him, and that's why I kind of found that performance interesting because he saw himself as gracious i think in his own warped mind you know i think yeah he kind of saw himself as a benevolent father kind of like looking after his children right he saw himself as very loving and gracious but at the same time it was like but my true children would be the only ones still alive yeah (laughs) uh, this movie actually did get pretty intense oh well i don't know about you but for me uh you kind of saw in the trailers he uh he somehow triggers kind of an apocalypse scenario where he gets um, all these people who are sitting, who are at their post, all these military men, to launch these nuclear missiles. And as the as the missiles are kind of going up, he's kind of just standing there 
ranting. And it actually got pretty intense for a moment. Yeah. I actually really bought him. And I and that's why I kind of think I'm okay with this performance. I think because he drew you into those yeah. moments and, and the way it was filmed and stuff. And then I kind of put myself into the 1980s mindset of just something like that. I mean, minus this guy who thinks he's a god or something. But just the idea of all these missiles going off. It's like everybody's worst fear is happening and nobody knows why or how. And it's just like, man, it really made a really in- intense scene there, yeah. But it was just, it was just really fascinating how this movie did get into a lot of a lot of those ideas, um, just with uh, <laughs> who he thought he was, and 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 just how he. Yeah, it was basically a guy who realized he had some powers, and I don't know. Over time, just I don't know if be, maybe if you maybe you're supposed to assume that in primitive times, since he had these powers, people just deified him, and then he just kind of was like, okay, yeah, I think he and drank the Kool Aid, and then it built over time to where he really believed himself to be God. Well, it kind of it was a different time frame. I mean, there were. Uh, rulers, especially in the Middle East, who became powerful enough, they did have the gall to try to say, "Well, I'm a god." That's it's- true because even where he was like based out of the beginning of this movie, Cairo. I mean, you had Pharaoh, yeah, who was what the sun god, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, yeah, I guess they did consider themselves a well, a god, and even not too long ago, when the monarchies were pretty much running the world, you still had them saying. Oh, we were blessed by God to rule over you people, so you should just shut up and listen to us because we have the divine touch on us and you don't. True, yeah. So it's it's not that far-fetched to think that somebody, I mean, um, Jim Jones kind of had that same belief that he he was getting orders from God himself. and Yeah, it's not, but to go as far as to say you are... Yeah, like a or the God <laughs> is uh, is quite a place to go. But like I said, I guess when everybody is like in primitive, you know, like more primitive cultures and stuff, and you nobody even has any sort of way to stop you or even try to stop you. Um, yeah, that would be probably the way it would go. And so, uh, yeah, I guess for the most part, though, it would kind of make me at least at this point just be like. I think he did all right. I think yeah. he did all right in the role of Apocalypse. Um, I there, there's something about Oscar Isaac. He's hard to he's hard to uh, dislike, and I don't mean like in this movie like I necessarily liked him. I mean he's still the the villain, but I mean like he pulled off the yeah, role. Yeah, he's well. good in roles. You know, even the movie you like to bring up uh, that you hate, Sucker Punch. <laughs> he's in that movie and a lot of people say he's the only saving grace of that movie is his uh... performance and so there's just something about him even back when nobody knew him like in sucker punch days where it's like you just kind of he just kind of works and then so when he gets these parts like poe dameron and apocalypse you know it just it it shows through even more you really got to give him credit though because a role like this it's going to be challenging you either you have to have really good acting chops to do this. Yeah, and you're doing it in heavy makeup. And it doesn't help the fact that he did kind of look like Ivan Ooze a little bit in certain lights. 
Who? Ivan Ooze from the Power Ranger movies? Uh, he, I guess he, a little bit, he, yeah. Um, the first images. But of isn't him... this pretty much how Apocalypse looked in the comics? <laughs> yeah. How he looked in the movie, or is he? Did um, they did they go quite his a bit? Skin. Well, the thing about the makeup they used is, uh, under certain lights, it's gonna make his skin look either red, purple, blue because of it was it was like a dark gray, and I think his skin his skin color was gray in the comics. Oh, okay. The pro it's kind of like Beast. It's it's hard to take a character like that and bring them to life. You you can't have him to be total fur. <laughs> That'd be like impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Just makes another blue person in this. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's it, like I said it's just one of those characters it you can't bring him out to life and have him look the same way he did in the comic or else no one's going to Everyone will look at it and be like, wow, that just looks horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, yeah, so I guess uh, my thing with this movie is just I was just surprised that maybe some of the weather, some of it you could even say was unintentional because maybe they're just like, well, this is the way we can see the story working for what we're doing. But just the, the thoughts it kind of made you think about with – with uh, Apocalypse's actions, how he did um, the world of the 1980s in a way, and just our response to different things. I just kind of, I did find it kind of thought provoking in different spots, I guess, this movie. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Because sometimes you go into movies like this, you're like, okay, this is going to be like a bang, boom, zip, pow type thing, or, you know, and, it, and, and I, that's what I've always kind of appreciated about the X-Men movies, specifically the ones that Brian Singer is more involved in, um, if not directing, is that they seem to have some sort of thought-provoking aspect to them. Yeah, sometimes when, when they when they try that, it really doesn't work. See Avengers Age of Ultron. Sure. Uh, and Well, and you could argue that Age of Ultron was just a little too heavy-handed. Yeah, and the, that's that's one thing this film definitely pulled off. Uh, you know, they put it out there, but it wasn't too heavy handed. The movie was just enjoyable overall. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. They found the right formula in order to make it work. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that brings us to maybe just this movie overall. What, where would you kind of place this grade wise, Dakota? Oh, we're doing the grade system. Um, Ooh, I'm kind of riding the fence here. I would go to A minus. A minus, okay. All right, it's a respectable grade. It's a really good grade, actually. Um, yeah, because I was kind of leaning more toward B plus, just because there was a few things about this that just kind of pulled it down for me. But uh, B plus. My my giving it a B plus still puts it in a category where I thought it was a very well executed movie and not as oh it could have been a mess yeah with how many things they were trying to do in this movie see Batman v Superman <laughs> you know I although can't... they did a lot more in that movie uh, X Men did a lot but it wasn't multiple storylines so much you know I kind of want to want to just. I am grateful in a little way 
that they didn't rely too much on Wolverine in this movie. Yes, because every single this X-Men movie didn't movie, rely. This movie didn't rely. Yeah, I would say, well, this movie didn't rely on Wolverine at all. Yeah, shocker. And uh, it's still a really. I mean, without him, it was still a really enjoyable movie. And sometimes I I and some I kind of wonder if this was a litmus, litmus test movie in that way. Like, can we make an X-Men movie that doesn't have this spotlight and Wolverine the whole time? Yeah, I think that's... And I, th- uh, and I think they can take away from this movie, like, okay, maybe we can do this. I think that's what they tried with uh, First Class, too. I think they, from what I heard, they originally planned to have more movies branching off. That one problem is it didn't really, didn't really get the traction they had thought it would. Yeah, it was really well received, but just didn't get the momentum. So, yeah. Um, and just out of curiosity, what is your favorite X-Men movie so Oh, far? That, uh, that actually belongs to Days of Future Past. Okay. That's your top? Yeah. Okay. Um, I struggle with my top one because I, I still feel like it's X-Men 2. Yeah. Just because I feel like that's just a really solid movie. And I think it's a it's got a very good story that is very tight and i love brian cox's striker yeah he was he just nailed it and so i think all those things just kind of it's hard for me even though i like these these new ones and kind of what they've done you know minus a few things that you know every movie can have cuz even x-men 2 isn't perfect i mean Halle Berry just has never been the greatest storm. Yeah. In fact, this new girl, she was all nervous about filling Halle Berry's shoes, but it's like, in a lot of ways, I found her more enjoyable. Halle Berry just always played it so like, here I am, she, I'm Storm, and it's just like, she didn't... Well, she was... They didn't give her much to do, some of it maybe, but... Yeah, that kind of... Supposedly, that's why she was angry. She was constantly fighting with Brian Singer, because her character just had nothing to do. I mean... She had that great line in the first one, what happens to a toad that gets struck by lightning? <laughs> the same thing that happens to everything else. Yeah, just a ridiculous line. And, yeah, it's just, I don't know. And then she won an Oscar and got top billing on X-Men 2. <laughs> yeah. And they gave her, like, they gave her a little more to do in X-Men 2, you could say, because she had, like, a, she was your main emotional draw into Nightcrawler. Like, she got, she kind of befriended Nightcrawler. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just like, I thought this new Storm did a good job, though, where it was like, I enjoyed her performance, and it wasn't like, I miss Halle Berry or something, and I think some of it is just a Halle Berry didn't do much. Yeah. But, <laughs> anyway, so X-Men 2, but, I, again, I remember First Class and Days of Future Past are both really, yeah. really solid movies, too. Um, but, yeah, I think with that, though, we'll just wrap up um, this episode. So, we're both giving it a... a uh, pretty strong recommend you know check it out in theaters if you can um you know we went into it you know we're, we went to it post it's kind of fun to go to post opening weekend just because there's a lot of negative nellies on this movie which i find i find i see some of their points but i think maybe they were a little more overly harsh yeah i don't um i don't Lately, I'm starting to notice that a lot of the quote-unquote critics out there, um, you know, the the people who supposedly um, are are people look to to get critic reviews for, they they just seem to be off. 
Well, like, yeah, my, I mean, there's the whole professional, but I mean, even just it seems like people in general. There's been a lot yeah. of negative Nellies to this movie, and I see it, and I kind of go, well, I don't know if some of their some of their arguments I didn't find very justified by what I saw. Yeah, um, I did see some of their, like I said, I see some of their points. Uh, J Law just looked like a wooden board at times, and so I mean, I see some of their points, but yeah. You know you something, professional. You know, professional criticism is is a tough thing. I, you know, because it's like they have to go in. They watch eight thousand movies a year. They just got off the phone you know, with a fight with their wife, and then they have to go in and watch a comedy that they already know is probably. And so it's like it's you know it's like they're still just humans. You know, yeah. like like Dakota and I are humans. You could go in and be like, well, "What are they talking about? This piece of crap." <laughs> but. You know what? What they've been building the X Men universe for the most part. There's a few in there I would pull out. I think they've on, done a good job, and I've enjoyed. And I found this as a a worthy next step. I think the problem is everyone kind of has preconceived notions now when they go see a movie. Like, yeah, oh, it 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 fits in this category with this movie, which was great. So I'm going to compare it well, to that movie, and yeah, I think. And- and every, I think that's the problem, really. And the internet now can make everybody a, I'm doing this in finger quotes, an expert. And so they go in there and it'll be like, like I'm not I'm not going to lie. I have never, I've read, I read Origin, which is a Wolverine comic graphic novel. And I've read a few other X-Men things. But I haven't read Apocalypse. I haven't read hardly any other X-Men comics. And I think that's how a lot of other people are. Who are the same ones going? Well, that's that's not how the apocalypse. You know, they act like they care and know. Yeah. I just don't think they do. If you know, that's fine. But don't pretend. Just enjoy yeah. or don't go. <laughs> every every time something gets transferred into another medium, it's not going to be the same. And sometimes when it is, it's not that great. I mean, yeah, it's you kind of. It, it really does depend on the strength of the source material and right. the strength of the filmmakers. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we're getting on a tangent at the end here, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to take two examples. I'm going to take Lego Movie, and I'm going to take Battleship. Both those movies are just things that a lot of people like. I don't know if I've hardly met anyone that doesn't like Battleship. You know, like you know, some people are like, oh, I don't like to play it that much. But everybody, you know, has a memory of it or finds it like a cool game. Same way with Legos. You're kind of like, Legos are fun. Most people like building with Legos. Yeah. Both those movies decided to make or attempt to make franchises. But they realized the only way to do that because these things are so one-dimensional was to take a left turn and just try something crazy. But only one of those worked. You know, and you're yeah. you're just not going to make it work every time. And there's a... and. And because Lego Movie, my people, Lego Movie was a commercial. <laughs> yeah. Let's all admit it. But gosh darn it, it is an awesome commercial. <laughs> it is an awesome commercial. Um, Battleship, you know, just it just was flawed in a lot of a lot of ways and just didn't work for many many reasons. And that's the thing. It's like sometimes you know what I'm getting at is just because they're doing something different or messing with something. Doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. We've seen really good things come out of people being creative and trying something different with stuff, which is why I'm kind of like, well, how the heck is this going to work? But maybe they can pull it off with this Tetris universe. Yeah. 
I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but with that, we're going to end this episode. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know, feel free. I'll, I'll just use this as a plug. We have Facebook, Twitter, the comment section on YouTube, um, all those places where give us some of your feedback, what you thought of this movie, how we're wrong, how we're right, um, what you think about just the you know creativeness of movies and and things they try out of the box and and if you think that it's worth trying or not worth trying you know go ahead have that discussion we have those things there for you other than just for us to leave movie news and on our episodes so yeah hopefully you are checking us out on facebook twitter subscribing to us on youtube and itunes and all those things um we appreciate that and thanks for listening um very happy you're doing that and hopefully you enjoyed this episode and uh, we hope you have a good night. This is Steven. And this is Dakota. Take it easy.